When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Daily Premier League news and views. This is Football Social Daily. Another daily dose of the Premier League in podcast form and the rare midweek treat of top flight football under the floodlights to look forward to. Chelsea are outside the top four after losing to Everton at the weekend and they take on a Wolves side tonight who have slipped into the bottom half of the table. And misfiring Manchester City will look to make a better fist of their game with struggling West Brom than they did against Manchester United on Saturday. Guardiola's Blues just aren't ticking at the moment as encapsulated by that boring Derby stalemate. And from the Midlands to Mönchengladbach, from Liverpool to Leipzig, the draw for the last 16 of the Champions League has been made and there are some tasty ties to discuss. Plus, we'll look back over the 25 years of the free transfer, as well as Tyrone Ming's bullish comments on social media defending an Aston Villa teammate. This is Football Social Daily, your seven-day-a-week Premier League download. Some other podcasts call themselves daily, but that's just Monday to Friday. We legitimately, every single day of the season, bring out for you a brand new podcast. So if you're new here, welcome along. If you've listened before, welcome back. And if you're a regular listener, you'll be delighted to know we have everyone's favourite Cumbrian on the podcast today. Marley Anderson's here. All right, Marley. Hello, everyone. And Stefan Armstrong, everyone's favourite Yorkshireman, is here as well. Hey, up, Steph. Hey up, mate. I, uh, Marley, you are my favourite Cumbrian, but I've got to say you're the only Cumbrian I know. <laughs> I was going to say, not many people know any Cumbrians, and not not, not even many people <laughs> from who even from England know where it is. Honestly, the amount of people who, if you say where you're from, and I say Cumbria, they're like, where's that? Is it near uh, Newcastle? Or is it Scotland? I'm like, mm, not, not quite. It's just like an obscure but, yeah. part there's of nothing, the North. There's nothing there. <laughs> Yeah, it's why I don't live there anymore. There's nothing there. It's very, very dull. There's You've got a lot of hills, though, haven't you? Yeah, hills and lakes. Loads of hills. Never been up any. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Niall. Before we start, by the way, today, lads, I just wanted to dedicate a little bit more time to Gerard Houllier, who died aged 73 yesterday. Now, the news actually broke when we were recording the podcast, and we had Steve McNaughton on the show, who, of course, is a big Liverpool fan, and he was able to give a quick synopsis, I suppose, on, on his thoughts of the man, but... I think this deserves a little bit more respect than that. We only gave it a fleeting gloss over yesterday on the podcast. 
And he was a manager in the era in which all three of us were growing up watching the Premier League, Stefan. So your thoughts on Gerard Houllier and that Liverpool team that he managed in the late 90s and early 2000s? Yeah, obviously sad news. Um, he was the first kind of manager from our era, I think, who's passed away. So it's a bit of a... You know, when you meet older guys and, and they talk about some of the old, uh, the old uh, managerial greats, I feel like this is maybe one of our first managerial greats of our uh, of our time growing up in the 90s. And what I loved about his Liverpool side was, A, he brought through the likes of Mike Lowen or really gave Mike Lowen that chance, which was mm. mega. Nobody will ever, ever forget how electric he was in 1998 and how yeah. he kind of... He probably defined Julier's time uh, in Liverpool, winning all those trophies. And the first trophies they won for a little while. So that was the first thing. The second thing that I'd like to say is um, he kind of brought a bit of the German revolution to the Premier League. And I'll always be thankful for that. To see Christian Zieger, uh, Babel, <laughs> uh, Dieter Mann, um it, it, was just, it was just great to see. So I, I kind of liked how he brought in a bit of the... Um, a bit of some of the real uh, Premier League's first foreign superstars when that was really kind of kicking off, and how he uh, dedicated time to a bit of um, a bit of uh, uh, young English talent as well, which is great. And we can't forget we're going to be talking about this later on. But he brought in Gary McAllister for that treble winning season as well. What a stroke mm. of genius! So um, yeah, um, great manager. Uh, sad to see him go, um, but I think he will go down as a bit of a great. Yeah, would you echo that, Marley? Considering, you know, Stefan mentions that treble winning season, they won the FA Cup, the League Cup and the UEFA Cup. And I think they went on to win the UEFA Super Cup as well, beating the Champions League winners from that season too. So no stranger to the odd bit of silverware was Julier. Yeah, he was one of them. He sort of ushered in, ushered in a sort of new era at Liverpool. Um, and he sort of, you know, as as Stefan said, they brought through the likes of, of Michael Owen and... I think he gave Steven Gerrard the captaincy and Carragher. And you had these like local lads sort of producing it for for Liverpool all of a sudden, and and they they had some success with it as well. You know, with the the uh, did the beat was it Alaves in the final of um, of the UEFA Cup? I think it was in like two thousand and one or um, mm. sort of the early two thousands, that kind of thing. Um, and he he oversaw a, a successful period for Liverpool, and obviously they never quite won the league, but they were they be, certainly became contenders for it, and, and one of the you know um, the bigger clubs after their sort of success of the the late eighties and the seventies um, as well. So you know they, they dropped off for a few years, but they came back with Julian, and that was the the sort of the start of the Premier League era where Liverpool were a force, and he was a big um, a big factor in that. I think it speaks volumes as well, Stefan, just finally on Julier, that everyone that's kind of reached out and written a tribute to him, they've all mentioned about how he was as a man rather than a manager. You know, the arm round the shoulder, the odd word of encouragement here and there in your ear, just the sort of human touch and the human side of him rather than, you know, being this punisher on the training ground that will run you into the ground. It, it seemed very much more like he was the kind of comforting father figure as a manager rather than someone who would kind of whip you into shape. Yeah, there's a lot of tributes on Twitter from former players saying exactly that. One that stuck out for me was Ashley Young. Um, I, I, I completely forgot that uh, Gerard Houllier even managed Aston Villa until reading mm. reading his kind of uh, biography yesterday. Um, 10-11, yeah. Yeah, amazing. So, I mean, um, yeah, a lot, a lot of warm words coming from players and you can't really ask for any more than that, can you? Um, 
but mm. just 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 quickly uh, extending his his kind of career i, I didn't realize um the, the places that i'd been in his managerial career obviously when when you're younger and the guy turns up at Liverpool. He's only ever been Liverpool manager for me. I didn't sure. realize that he was PSG manager. I didn't realize that he had a short spell at France. So mm. um, the guy's been at the top of the game, and I'm sure he's he's touched a lot of people's lives in the world of football. Yeah, absolutely. Gerard Houllier sadly passed away yesterday, aged 73. So rest in peace, Gerard Houllier. Time now to talk about Premier League action because there is a full programme of midweek fixtures this week, which is rare for the Premier League. We don't see that very often. So certainly some midweek action to get our teeth stuck into. Starting tonight at Chelsea, where they take on Wolves. Uh, Chelsea are fifth after 12 games following a weekend defeat to Everton. They lost 1-0. Um, Wolves have slipped to 13th after that loss to Villa. I mean, this is an interesting game, Marley, because, you know, Chelsea will know that Liverpool and Tottenham do battle on Wednesday and, you know, that kind of shakes things up at the top as well. Um, but such is the case that they've kept five clean sheets in a row. They've been on a nine-game unbeaten streak and then they go and lose to Everton and all of a sudden they're outside the top four. Yeah, it's um, it, it proves how tight it is up there at the minute and uh, I don't think anyone was really expecting Chelsea to lose to uh, Everton. And that's not disrespecting Everton, just the way they'd sort of dropped off a little bit in the previous weeks and at the same time Chelsea had mirrored that by getting, you know, somewhere looking close to their best. Um it was it was a disappointing one because at the minute if they'd have won, um they'd have been top of the league, uh, Chelsea. But as it is the fifth and Southampton have gone ahead of them and West Ham are on the tail and, and Leicester have gone above them as well and it's one of them that just reminds you how close things are at the minute and, you know, you've got everyone clambering over each other and and dropping points, so mm. all of a sudden tonight becomes well. It was always always was an important game, but they've got that added incentive of Spurs and Liverpool can't both win, so you are gonna go um, level with both of the, uh, level with at least one of them, or you're gonna go um, a point behind the leaders, where whichever whichever uh, result comes from from Anfield tonight. But it's important to to keep their eye on Wolves because you know they're hurting from the uh, the weekend. Um, mm. And not being able to to get it done against Aston Villa and and all the rest of it, but yeah, it's, um, it should be a pretty interesting game, to be honest, uh, Molyneux. Mm. Yeah, we've got some fallout from that Villa versus Wolves game a little bit later on in the podcast, where Tyro Mings has been tweeting about one of his teammates during that game. So we'll get onto that a little bit later on in the show. But as for Chelsea, I mean, this title contender talk, I think that in terms of depth, Stefan, you can say that the money they spent in the summer has added to the depth of the squad. And they've probably needed it because when you look at the injury list today, they've got no Callum Hudson-Odoi available tonight or Christian Pulisic. So, you know, the fact that Werner and Havertz have come in as new signings and have more than ample replacements is certainly a benefit for Chelsea. Yeah, they've got a mega squad. The German revolution that Julier started in Liverpool <laughs> all those years ago is living strong with uh, Frank Lampard, Chelsea. Um, yeah, they've got a good squad and that's that's why they're only... I'm, I know we're saying they've dropped down to fifth in the league, but as Mali just said there, we haven't really dropped down to fifth in the league. They're, they're only three points off top. It's, a, it's one, one, one win in a... Well, what, what's the goal difference? Yeah, we're only one behind Tottenham in terms of goal difference. So it's, it's one good win and they can be top again. So... Um, everything's everything's good for Chelsea at the minute just you just need to continue a bit of momentum I think um with a bad result the worry is always going to be that it's followed up by another bad result as long as they can stop any kind of uh rot quickly then Chelsea Chelsea are 
sitting really nicely. And it's only a bit of a freak season from Southampton, which is stopping them being in the in the top four right now. So everything's looking pretty good for Chelsea. And it'll be an interesting match tonight because uh, Wolves will be hurting. And Wolves have been a bit stop-start this year. Um, they've had quite a few bad results um, over the last month. Um, and let's be fair, they're probably in a period of transition. Um, their best player being signed almost a bit of a victim of their, their own success and um, so and that happens some your best players get picked off by by uh by so-called bigger teams um and so there will be an element of transition this season so wolves will be battling they'll be scrapping so it'll be an interesting game one that i wouldn't like to call with the christian pulisic thing marley um before we talk about wolves the fact he's injured again with a hamstring injury again I know the Premier League is intense and, you know, it's probably the most intense of any of the top five European leagues, but he seems to have a bad injury record. Already at Chelsea, we've seen him spend a number of weeks on the sidelines. This is a hamstring issue that won't go away. Is that a concern for Chelsea supporters? Is that a concern in general for Christian Pulisic? Because he looks a very, very good player. Uh, yeah, it has to be. Um, I think when, when you're a player who relies on speed so much, you know, um, he's he's absolutely lightning quick, but you've got to look after your hamstrings. And if if one goes, then you know it can take a long a long time, um, both physically and mentally, to get over it. Because even when you're physically back to normal, you it's always going to be in the back of your mind when you when you're sprinting for a ball. Like I hope my hamstring doesn't go when when you know I'm through on goal. I think it was the FA Cup. Um, was it the final when he when he swung for the ball? Um, and that's when this whole hamstring thing started. I think his hamstring snapped after that, and that was, you know, two or three months out. And it's, it, it's not like, um, it's not like breaking a bone where if you break a bone, it, it often grows back stronger. It's, it's oh, it's never the same when a muscle fully sort of tears or or snaps. It's always slightly weaker. So, um, it's a shame for him to be honest because he, he could be one of the best wingers in the league, but we just don't know it yet because he hasn't had the the time to, to um to do it consistently without getting you know, picking up some sort of niggle or knock or something like that so mm. it's um it's a bit of a shame but I hope he can get over it because I do think there's a quality player in there and let's not forget they paid a hell of a lot of money for him um so they've got a lot yeah. of faith in him and he did start to produce it towards the end of end of last season when he um when he got a, a run of you know five six seven games or whatever it was um he scored a few goals and making assists and he looked like the the proper hazard replacement uh, um, so it's 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 certainly there for him if he can. I, I do hope he gets over it because it, it'd be a shame to look back on him, you know, in ten years' time and say, oh, he's, you know, his career's littered with injuries and he never got to produce, possibly, you know, the level where he can be America's, you know, first world-class player, probably. Whoa, but, whoa, whoa, whoa! It's one of them. We got we got to wait. I hope Brad Friedel isn't listening. <laughs> I'm, he with was Mar- amazing. I'm with Marley, though. I think he could genuinely be the first superstar <laughs> football player, soccer player, whatever you want to say, from the United States. I think the, yeah. the thing is with American football, as in American soccer, is that Canada have got some really exciting players coming through. You know, you're talking like Alfonso Davis at Bayern Munich. There's a couple of other players as well um, through the uh, through the leagues, through the European leagues. There's a couple in Germany, I'm, I'm sure. Um you know, I think that if Canada produce a world-class talent before the United States, 
Uh, that that says a lot. I really think <laughs> it's it like says the, a lot. The, the new Cold War of football. Like, what, what's going on there? God, this is where all the football manager snobs come out and go, what happened to Freddie Adu? Yeah. Freddie Adu. <laughs> right, I've got a quiz question for you both. Go on. Um, if we're talking about Christian uh, Pulisic's uh, injury record. Um, so he's been a professional for four years. Um, guess how many games, uh, professional games he's played in that time? Oh my, 130? Uh, I'm going to go about 72. Oh, ye of little faith, Marley. It's 154. <laughs> so that's not bad it's That's okay. not bad going for a player who's injured a lot. No, no, I suppose that's a fair point when you break it down to the amount of games in a season. But you won't be playing for Chelsea tonight. That's the key. They take on Wolves, but Pulisic or Hudson-Odoi won't be involved due to injury. So it's almost inevitable that Werner and Havertz will start on either flank for Frank Lampard. Let's focus on Wolves then. As you say, Steph, they've been... A bit underwhelming this season so far. Obviously, they've got no Raul Jimenez, who's obviously recovering from that fractured skull. He visited the training ground before the Aston Villa game at the weekend. Wolves couldn't get the job done uh, against Villa, but they're going to need to get some sort of results soon because it feels like that they are kind of out of sorts at the moment. In terms of that striking conundrum, no Jimenez, as we say. I mean, Fabio Silva is a young kid. He's 18. They spent 30-odd million on him. I mean, he's not the replacement for Jimenez. I don't think that was the kind of thinking behind his signing, but certainly he's been thrown into the deep end pretty quickly, considering that they need to find someone to replace Jimenez's goals and they need to find someone fast. Yeah, Wolves' success has been built on Jimenez and uh, Diego Jota. A great partnership with a little bit of help from the likes of uh, Traore. Um, And as soon as you take Jota out of the situation and as soon as Jimenez gets injured... You've got a young guy who, albeit as all the talent in the world, and might go on to be a class player. Um, but that's a lot of pressure for a young guy. Kind of it reminds me a little bit of when Marcus Rashford kind of uh, broke into the team, and there, there were no real alternatives up front for Man United, and there was a lot of pressure on young shoulders. It's kind of like that for this lad at Wolves, um, and I don't think we're going to see many results on the back of that. So. They need to get players back to full fitness starting uh, sharpish because since Arsenal and Arsenal are in free fall, they've not really had a result. So something needs to happen because where they're sitting in the Premier League at the minute isn't where Wolves were expecting um, to be sat right now. And I think it just highlights um, how good Jota was at Wolves um, and why a team like Liverpool have come along and picked him up. Um, mm. it, it, it really does highlight that for me. Yeah, well, he wasn't really getting in the team for a while, was he? And I think that's why some Wolves fans were suggesting that they weren't too bothered that Jota left. But that was when things were going well. Things aren't going as well um, this season for Wolves. I mean, he's played seven games, Fabio Silva, Marley, in the Premier League. He's yet to score a goal, but he said in the press recently that the goals will come. I mean, he's only been a professional footballer since August 2019, so just over a year He only played 12 games for Porto, scoring one goal in the Portuguese top division. So, I mean, are we expecting him to be prolific? Is that unfair? Because Jimenez's record since he arrived in the Premier League has been very, very good. I mean, this is a lad who's only scored one senior league goal in his entire career. So, are the expectations simply too high? Um, I don't know. Look, the kid's obviously got potential, but... What I am wondering is, you know, all the stats you've just reeled off there, one one senior goal in his career, how is this all um, 
how does this all culminate in him being worth 40 million quid that he'd moved to um, <laughs> Wolves for? I don't understand that at all. And there was a rumour in the summer that, um, you know, with the people involved, because George Mendes was, was involved in all three parties. I think he's Fabio's agent and he's Wolves' you know, go-to man and what have you. Um, there was a rumour of it being sort of um, the actual fee being like, like 12 million or something, and then but it out it went for 40 or something, so maybe something's being, you know, inflated to balance some books elsewhere or something like that. And after after looking at him and seeing him playing for the under-23s um, in the, you know, what's it called, the Papa John's trophy or whatever it is, <laughs> yeah, some yeah. ridiculous tournament like that, <laughs> you know. He's, 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 I'm not taking the mick out of him for playing in that, but it's just kind of... Like, that was the sort of... You don't expect that of a £40 million player. You expect him to be coming on for 20, 25 minutes a game and either replacing Jimenez, who's tired, or forming a two up front if they're behind, or, you know, basically getting first team minutes every week. So you don't expect him to see him playing in some Papa John's piss-up and you know, on a Tuesday night away <laughs> at Morecambe or whatever it is. You know what I mean? It's it's weird, but... He, look, the kid's obviously got potential, but £40 million quid. Yeah, the longer he doesn't score, the 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 more eyes are going to be on that move because it doesn't seem right to me the whole thing. But you know, hopefully he gets he gets there because Wolves need a desperately need a striker quick, and they're looking at you know they're looking back at a summer of um, of transfer business that, that looked okay, but time has proven that it's they've probably gone backwards because they made a seventeen million pound loss on. Um, Selling Jota and um, Doherty, and signing Nelson Semedo and Fabio Silva, and at the minute it's it's two steps backwards rather than one step forwards, because you know th- those players just aren't as good as what Doherty and, and Jota were for them. Yeah, I think that's a fair comment. And they'll be without Jao Moutinho as well tonight. Wolves after his red card against Aston Villa. So it's likely that Ruben Neves will come in to replace him in the starting 11. So Chelsea uh, against Wolves at Molyneux tonight. 6pm kickoff in the Premier League. And one more game to talk about in terms of a preview. After this quick break here on Football Social Daily, we'll be discussing Manchester City welcoming West Bromwich Albion. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Listen to the latest Premier League news, updates and match reports now. Just ask Open Sport Social. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. I'm Niall. I've got Marley and Stefan alongside me and we're going to preview Manchester City against West Bromwich Albion, which is the late kickoff in this evening's Premier League games, of which there are two. We've already spoken about Wolves against Chelsea. Now it's time for City versus the Baggies. And speaking of the Baggies, their second bottom, Stefan, their only win so far this season was against Sheffield United, who are rock bottom themselves and eight points adrift of safety. I mean, I know Manchester City haven't been electric so far this season, but do West Brom stand any chance at all tonight? Uh, you wouldn't think so, would you? I mean, I was watching... Uh, I watched the tail end of uh, the West Brom game against Newcastle at weekend, um, getting ready for... Good game, that. Do you, do you know what? It, what, what, a goal, <laughs> what a goal, by the way. What a header that was. Oh, um, yeah. I, I just... I got into the pub and like, there's not many seats left in the pub, so I was kind of like jostling for main position for the Manchester derby. Got my pork pie ordered, came along with the pint afterwards, you know what <laughs> I mean? Everything's good. 
thought, ah, oh, great. I watched the last 20 minutes of West Brom. And the thing that stood out for me was the stony expression on Slavan Bilic's face when that second Newcastle goal went in. It was just another mm. shot to the heart. The disappointment. You could just, it was so palpable. You could see it in his eyes. And that, that just sums up his whole season. Um, they, they're just lacking West Brom. Um, and I've, it's clear for everybody to see. Um, and no, no, no offence, but you'd, you'd fancy them if they're going to get some points. Hopefully it would be against a team like Newcastle. Um, but they struggled. So against, West, uh, against, against Man City tonight, I don't see it. And that's Man City really being pretty bland at the minute as well. Mm, yeah, I like that description. Bland. We'll come on to Man City in a second. As for West Brom, I mean, you'll know, having watched the game, Marley's a Newcastle fan, that to concede in the first minute and then to concede with five minutes to go, there's two times of the game you're talking about not switching off. It's at the start and at the end, and that's exactly what happened to West Bromwich Albion. In terms of goals conceded, no side in the Premier League this season has conceded more goals than West Brom. They have a problem with conceding them. I mean, is it a good time as any to face Manchester City for the baggies, considering that they've been quite blunt in attack going forward? I don't think there's ever a good time to play Man City. Um, <laughs> I knew that was even, coming. I walked into that even, one. <laughs> yeah, even though they're, you know, they're not quite firing on all cylinders at the minute, I think they still you know, stuffed Burnley a few weeks ago, and it's a similar type of game for them, uh, where they're expected to win against inferior opposition. Um, and I think they should do pretty comfortably, because... I think West Brom, they haven't got anything that you'd be scared of. I think, you know, defensively they're, they're weak, uh, the goalkeeper's average, the midfield's not creative, um, and the striker, as much as I like Carlin Grant, he can't do it all on his own. Um, so you have, you know, all of a sudden you're thinking, what, okay, so how do they go and get a result um, each week? And then, you know, how do you go and get a result against Man City where you're going to have 25, 30% possession of the ball? Um, and you've got to, you know, stop the likes of Mares, Jesus, Sterling, all these, all these players, De Bruyne, and all the rest of it. So, I think it's pretty unwinnable tasks uh, tonight for for West Brom. But it's not a game that they'd be targeting as go on, let's win this. I think that would that would have been as Stefan said um, at the weekend against our lot. Um, let's go and try and beat Newcastle while they've got no fans and. You know all the rest of it, but they they balls that in a minute. Um, I think Ivanovic has proved that there is a hill and he is over it. Um, <laughs> because I think it was about fifteen seconds. Yeah, he, he took one slight little nudge, you know, shoulder to shoulder. Which, when he was at um, Chelsea, he would not have lost that. He he, he would have just you know ended the you strike. Put him and, into the stand. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was unreal, and he ended up flailing. You know, he he fell and threw a leg at it, and all of a sudden. You know, Wilson got in, gave it to Joel Linton, and went on to Almiron, and it was 1-0. And that was kind of a... Um, that gave me hope, actually. You know, when it when it was 1-1, I kind of thought, if they if they can switch off like that after a minute, they're going to switch off in the last last 15 minutes when we're bringing on um, strikers, we, we're bringing on Gale and um, all these players, those players that will find a little pocket in the, um, in the box and things like that. So it, it was that sort of weakness that made me think we will probably get a winner in this late uh, late period here but West Brom needs to improve quickly because Fulham are improving Burnley picked up a result um, and all of a sudden it's them and Sheffield United who look um, to be in, in big trouble 
Yeah, absolutely. It would be a big ask for Slavin Bilic to get anything out of this game against Manchester City, even against a bland Blues side, as Stefan puts it. I mean, people are still considering them title chasers, Stefan. And in fairness, if you look at the league table, and we've already discussed it on the show, the closeness of the top crop of teams at the top of the table, you know, they're not out of the race by any stretch, Manchester City. We've seen them string wins together like it's absolutely nothing, win after win after win consecutively in seasons gone by but soon if they keep picking up average results will it be too late for them to mount the charge to win the league if it carries on like that i think they're they're just about hanging on they're going they're going through a a rough patch for man city for for other teams this might be a slight dip in form but for man city it's by their standards it's a rough patch um they're not going to be happy sitting ninth in the table, but they're only six off top, so that's not the issue. The issue is two things. First of all, when you look at the demeanour of Pep Guardiola, I look at him and I feel like he's a guy who's lacking energy. He seems to um, he seems to be more of a philosopher at the minute rather than the the bitey footballer, the the aggressive manager type. He's he's almost laid back to the point where I don't know if he's that bothered. So mm. I, I want to see that as well, Steph, as well. I mean, I was going to say about, you know, when people have asked him in press conferences about his side going forward and stringing together some attacking play and scoring goals, he was quite sort of chilled about it. Um, he didn't bite back at any of the reporters. He was almost quite blasé in a way, just saying that, yeah, it will come. Yeah. You know, the easiest way to score goals is to put the ball in the net. You know, he was, I'm not saying that he's lost the plot, but it's certainly a side of Pep that I can't remember seeing for a long time. Yeah, I don't really like seeing that in a football manager. I like seeing what young Scotty Parker does and giving it some, and I like seeing what Mourinho does, where where he's he's battling for it for his team in press conferences. I'm not getting that from Pep Guardiola, and that worries me a little bit. Um, so that, that's that's the first thing I'd say. The second thing I'd say is I don't know how strong this Man City squad is compared to years gone by, and therefore I don't know if they really are going to challenge for winning that league um, and I say that because I, this season I can't, I can't really remember the last time Man City made an absolute stellar signing like an Aguero type person I mean Leroy Sane went out last season uh, um, he, he's, he's been he's been sold off to Bayern Munich uh, people like David Silva have left Um I wouldn't. I'm not really that excited about somebody. I don't like think Ruben they ever Diet. have though, Stefan. Have they? I mean, that's not really their model. They always tend to sign players who are good, but not quite at the peak of world class yet. I mean, you could look at the likes of Ferran Torres, who's come in. Um, even players like Fernandinho, who was kind of a signing that came in not under the radar, rated but not world class, and yet he's turned into such a linchpin for them. But somebody like Raheem Sterling, that kind of signing for forty million, where you know he's gonna, where you know he's gonna step up and become one of the best players in the world, something like that, which is really gonna incite the Man City fan base. So mm. I feel like that little bit of excitement is changing a little bit as well. So the culmination between Guardiola maybe losing a little bit of interest in that Man City squad not being as strong as what it a could be or be what it once was is kind of why they're there as it is. But the, mm. the key thing to say here is, I've, I'm looking at a couple of stats in that today, they've not conceded for nine and a half hours of football. Um, yeah, defensively is, is not a problem, is it? Well, yeah, which is unbelievable. So so somebody like Mourinho getting the stick for parking the bus and all that sort of stuff, the blueprint's really at Man City. So 
there's just they're just lacking that spark somewhere in the club um to to propel them up the league so as i say it's it's a it's a it's a bad bit of form for man city right now because they were so boring to watch in the derby it was it was probably the most boring derby i've ever seen in my life yeah that Um, was an awful game it was a real bad game of football um so where's the spark i want to see some spark from man city and they've got a real tough christmas new year fixture list so they're gonna have to do something yeah i mean i think that the key for manchester city lies in the champions league i think that's what they want to win uh but it is premier league action for them tonight against west bromwich albion at the etihad stadium let's move on to the champions league then because city did find out who they were playing in the last 16 yesterday when the draw was made they've been drawn against german club borussia mönchengladbach so they'll take on uh the foals as they're known over there in the bundesliga but some of the other ties marley liverpool against rb leipzig and chelsea versus atletico madrid so i mean Pick your favourite out of that three. There's some good ones there. Yeah, some. Uh, it was a good draw, I think. Um, some nice little interesting ties. You've got PSG Barcelona in there as well, which is quite interesting. Um, from the English side, mm. you know, you'd probably look at the Chelsea game, to be honest. Um, Chelsea Atletico would be certainly an interesting one because, you know, Atletico have such a response, um, a reputation of, of being so good defensively, and Chelsea are obviously all weighted towards their attack um, in terms of their strengths. It'd be like uh, the you know the unstoppable fo- uh, object meets the immovable force or whatever you uh, whatever that saying is. <laughs> Andre the Giant versus Hulk Hogan is what you mean. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, so yeah, it's, it should be an interesting one that. But um, we'll have to see where Chelsea are. Are they are they capable of stepping up and taking out you know a team that can go a long way and and a team that knocked out Liverpool um, last year as well. You know, people forget that. You know, Atletico did a did a job on uh, on Liverpool and and sort of turned them over at Anfield, the last team to win there, I think, um, in all competitions. And uh, yeah, it should be that should be a good one. But I think you know, Man City, Man City will fancy the chances of going through against Munch and Gladbach as long as Guardiola doesn't start overthinking things and playing you know a, a back six system with you know two defensive midfielders and one striker or something something crazy that he did against Leon last year and. Um, yeah, I think you know they they're a bit more dangerous, Munch and Gladbach, than people might originally think. They qualified from a group with Real Madrid and Inter Milan in it um, as as group winners, and I think they turned over Real Madrid twice. I think, um, or no, it was at least once. Shakhtar beat them twice, and I think um, Munch and Gladbach beat them once. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a it's a good tie, but I, st- I still expect Man City to to turn up and and to turn them over. I think. Yeah, I think Chelsea versus Atletico is the pick for most people, Stefan. But I quite like the look of Liverpool versus uh, RB Leipzig, I think, out of the three that we've mentioned. Just purely because, you know, Liverpool, even though they've got their injuries, they're an extremely attacking side. German manager who's been there, done it, won the Champions League, won the German League, won the English League against one of the most technical up-and-coming coaches in the world game, Julian Nagelsmann at, at RB Leipzig, who you know, has proven that he can keep his side knocking in and around the top reaches of European football. I mean, they're still towards the top end of the Bundesliga. Um, They've managed to get through that group of death in Group H in the Champions League this season, which contained Manchester United and PSG. I mean, they look like a good side and they play good football and they're they're quite attacking-minded, as are Liverpool. So I think this could be a real blockbuster game between those two. Yeah, this shows like the German connection today. I'm really, I'm really liking it. Football in Germany is going good, isn't it? <laughs> um, 
Yeah, you saw what Leipzig did against Man United for 60 minutes and I would love to see them do it against Liverpool. And uh, you're talking about a young manager, Nagelsmann, he's... Um, he, he, You'd put money on him being a potential future Liverpool manager. He's 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 got that kind of potential. Um, so yeah, exciting game. Um, I think that'll be a tough tough game for Liverpool, but I still fancy them against it. Yeah, I mean we'll have to wait and see what happens in the Champions League because uh, Manchester City, their eyes are on the prize. Liverpool, I'm sure that they have a love affair with that competition. They'll want to uh, to go as far as possible. And Chelsea, chance for Frank Lampard to show what he can really do with that squad of players that he's got. So the last 16 drawing the Champions League: City versus Mönchengladbach, Liverpool versus Leipzig, and Chelsea versus Atletico de Madrid. Time for another break on Football Social Daily. Afterwards, we'll be talking about free transfers. Yes, the Bosman rule. It's been around for 25. Five years we'll be picking our best ones in the Premier League era next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. To hear the latest Premier League news for your team, just ask Open Sport Social. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Don't forget to hit subscribe if you haven't already, and that way you won't ever miss another episode of the podcast. Brand new shows every single day at the Premier League season. Time now to talk about the Bosman rule, or as it's become more commonly known, the free transfer rule, which is where players are allowed to run their contract down. Of course, as we've seen numerous times, as we've spoken about numerous times on the podcast, they run their contract down, and then another club can come in to pick them up for absolutely zero which is great if you're a businessman, um, but that came because there was a player called Bosman who took the notion to court, basically, and got the ruling in his favour. So that's why it's been known as the Bosman rule. Hard to believe that was 25 years ago. Um, certainly slightly different to the way we know them now. So I wanted to ask you both who you think's been the best Bosman transfer or free transfer in the Premier League era. Now, I've got a few suggestions. Um, Steph, you've already mentioned Gary McAllister, which was one of my suggestions. Coventry to Liverpool in the year 2000 and Liverpool ended up winning a treble. Three trophies that season. So that was a good one. What a signing. Unbelievable. (laughs) (laughs) You can't can't say any more than that, can you? Free transfer from Coventry. Gary Gary McAllister, a balding Scottish bloke, and he wins a treble. Unbelievable. (laughs) Well, There's loads more that I've got here as well. Uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, PSG to Man United in 2016. Continuing the German theme of the show, Michael Ballack, Bayern Munich to Chelsea 2006. And probably the more recent one which people have picked out, Marley, would be James Milner from Man City to Liverpool in 2015. Now, that's worked out well for him over the last five years. Yeah, uh, he's a quality player, Milner. Um, I think he he got some unnecessary stick from Man City fans, I think, when he decided to to run down his contract. But he knew that there was more in, in his locker than was being uh, showcased at Man City so he's decided to you know go and leave for another challenge and it's proved to be you know a good decision in over the years and he's played plenty of games for Liverpool I know he's not in the team every week but he's been Mr Reliable for them he's probably the the fittest 34 35 year old I've ever seen in my life uh, in terms of a, a player he's always you always hear stories of him 
um, you know, topping the the bleep test and the the fitness charts and all the rest of it, and uh, is is a proper true professional. I think one of the most mm. underrated players England have had, to be honest. Yeah, he is injured for the Spurs game though, <laughs> so he's not <laughs> yeah. fit at the moment. But apart from that, I see exactly what you're saying. Um, another one that you'll know, Marley Denver Bar, West Ham to Newcastle, 2011. Throwing him in there because purely the start he made at Newcastle and the partnership he forged with uh, Papi Cisse, which was really good. And I think Newcastle finished fifth in that season, didn't they? 11-12. So um, really good result mm-hmm. for them under Alan Pardew. Um, one more before I go to the one who I think is the best free transfer in the Premier League over the last 25 years. Uh, JJ Okocha, Stefan. Oh, what do you remember you, of old JJ? Yeah. So good they named him twice. Free transfer from PSG to Bolton Wanderers under Big Sam in 2002. Oh. You beat me to it. I wanted to pull that one out of the bag. Okay, go on. Oh. We'll rewind. You can do it. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'll let you have it. Um, yeah, man. The king of Nigeria, one of the greatest players to grace the Premier League of all time, striking a striking an unbelievable partnership up with uh, the likes of Jokayef. Um, Ivan Campo. Yeah, Campo, Fernando Hierro. So basically it was uh, everybody who once played for Real Madrid uh, and uh, JJ Kocha at uh, Bolton. How mad is that? But I still don't think it's the best of all time. I think in terms of bringing, you know, bringing players to and building a team around free transfers, you can't beat what Chelsea did uh, in the 90s with Gus Poyet and mm. Gianluca Vialli. Yeah. I mean, two two Bosmans who absolutely radicalised <laughs> mid-90s Chelsea. Yeah, and Vialli actually ended up managing the club as well. And I think... Player manager. Didn't Chelsea get Rude Hullet on a free transfer too? So Yeah, I from mean, Samp- Sampdoria. And he they, was, they, they, that's all they did before Abramovich. Free transfers. <laughs> and he was a manager of Chelsea as well. So um, some good ones at Chelsea. Um, you know, if you're under the age of 20, you probably can't imagine why JJ Okocha would swap PSG for Bolton. Bolton. But back in the day, that was a, a pathway which was forged by Big Sam when Bolton were in the Premier League and PSG were that club in France that had Ronaldinho in their squad. And that was about it. Things have changed, obviously, since then. That's the way football works. For me, Marley, best Bosman transfer of all time, just purely because of the audacity of it. And then what this player went on to achieve both um, for England and for his club, Sol Campbell, Spurs to Arsenal. 2001 now that will infuriate Judas, a few Tottenham Judas. fans who did call him Judas yeah there were lots of uh, burnt Sol Campbell shirts and lots of Judas 23 <laughs> shirts in the crowd um, during that period just at the turn of the century but you know I'm sorry Tottenham fans but the audaciousness of Sol to run his contract down at Tottenham and then to sign for Arsenal under Wenger and then go and win the Premier League without losing a game a couple of years later um, you know that that was a good free transfer if there ever was one yeah, it's, uh, you've, it was one of them. It was always going to be a good move. It, it was just whether he had the uh, the what's the word stones to uh, to go through with it and and to make it you know about him. And he had that. He made that choice, and you know it's something he's he's always going to have to live with. You know the the hatred coming from the Spurs fans who watched him walk away on a free and you know miss out on the transfer fee that they'd have got for him if they did uh, had decided to sell him and all the rest of it, but. From a personal, selfish um, point of view, it was right for Saul Campbell, and he went on to have a lot of success with with Arsenal and you know reach a Champions League final, score in a Champions League final, um, play for England and, and be part of the uh, Invincibles. So you know Spurs might Spurs fans might hate him, but it was a time when Spurs weren't as you know 
successful as Arsenal in in any any walk of um, the the club really. So personally, it was a it was a good decision for him. It's just it's just always one that's going to have uh, consequences when he goes back to to London and and encounters a Spurs fan who hasn't quite uh, got over that resentment for him. I just want to quickly say about um, Jean Marc Bosman. Um, he sounds more English than he does. Belgian, I think is he Belgian? Um, I don't know. It's a long time ago. <laughs> so, so not not to send our listeners to um, other media agencies, uh, but the first line of the BBC article about Bosman, uh, it's uh, titled "Bosman at 25." This is harsh. The opening line is decent, if unremarkable as a player. Poor Bosman. Bloody hell. <laughs> He's paved the way. Although I do feel sorry for him because it's not now known as the Bosman, is it? It's just called a free transfer. It so that was... kind of terminology has died out over the years. Yeah, it was in Football Manager up until about 2007, I reckon it was still called a Bosman. And then now it's just free transfer. It doesn't sound as good, does it? I'm, I, do you know what? From I, I pledge allegiance to, to Jean-Marc Bosman. I'm going to call it a Bosman for the rest of my life. Okay, well, we'll hold you to that, Stefan. Let's move on from that now and talk about Aston Villa's game at the weekend against Wolves. We've already discussed Wolves. Um, Tyro Mings has been speaking on social media, Marley. This is our final little bit for today. He's been hitting back at Villa fans who were sort of abusing, I guess you could say, Anwar El Ghazi on social media. Um, after his penalty at the weekend ended up securing the points for Villa, he's then called for them to apologise with this tweet. This is what it says from Tyro Mings. Good morning, villains. This is from a couple of days ago. I really hope all of you who are berating and hounding Al Ghazi enough to make him suspend his social media are in his DMs today apologising. A team game utilises a whole squad, in capital letters, and we need everyone. May your apology be as loud as the disrespect. Now, Tyrone was on one that morning a couple of days ago. Obviously, he was a bit upset with the way that some Villa fans had uh, made their opinions known about El Ghazi. What do you make of it? Is it refreshing to see Mali footballers hitting back at some of the trolls on socials? Uh, I'm a, I don't know, man. I'm a bit conflicted about it, to be honest, because mm, as much as... Like, he's got a point, obviously. Um, you know, you shouldn't... You know, people who abuse social media uh, use social media to abuse their their team's players are uh are idiots but you know um to i don't know man to have a go at your own fans like that is just a bit sort of counterproductive like it wasn't i i, I don't know what messages el ghazi was getting but you know obviously there was something there and i, I don't know mings it, he's very sort of um What's the word? Like, it's, it seems a bit like hot-headed. Like, he almost, mm. you know, he, he didn't have to say this. I don't think it was a a massive thing, um, you know, like that overshadowed everything. I, I hadn't even heard of this abuse that he'd got. And so I don't really think it moved out of Villa circles. Um, but all of a sudden he, he's made it this sort of big mm. thing and you know th- he's made it bigger than what it actually is hasn't he he's he's almost yeah, I think maybe accentuated yeah. the situation yeah and i i don't know i just think like all right you've said all this now and in the future like i don't it, put it this way the next time he gets sent off and you know has a shocking game is he going to come out and say on social media stuff like you know sorry everyone is he going to be this vocal about everything because if he is then fair enough but to just sort of like come out and say, yeah, well, stick it up, yeah, El Ghazi scored the winning penalty. It, it's almost like 
it almost gives people an excuse to then scrutinise Ming's mm. Ming's performances in the future and then say. Well, these two players have like clashed that. in the past. El Hazi and Mings have notoriously, I think, last season. Mings got in El Hazi's face and kind of like almost did that one of those headbutts where they pushed their head against each other, and they're on the same team. So you know they've they've had a little have bit I'm, of a not a dust up in the past, but there's been a conflict. Have I there. missed something? Didn't El Hazi score a last minute penalty? Yeah, he did. But I think the supporters so, of Aston so what, Villa. What, why are you upset? I think the Villa supporters have been saying that he's just not been good enough this season, El Hazi. <laughs> but it's up, to, it's up to them, isn't it? They're supporters who, you know, on. <clears throat> in normal circumstances we'll be putting their money into the club I'm sure some of them still are in certain ways paying for oh, season tickets ban and stuff twi- ban Twitter and football just just completely separate the two things it's like made in Chelsea all of a sudden it's like Premier League man just play football get on with it yeah Boring. I mean the fans are allowed their opinion though Stefan aren't they so I mean I suppose Marley's point of why is Ming's coming out and giving it to the fans when you know they pay their money they you could argue that fans pay the players wages yeah but Mings has got a point if he's if he's gone and scored a last minute penalty then what does it matter just ah they should, everybody should be happier man villa villa are doing well this season they're, they're up to 10th in the league everything's everything's nice and cushy no no need to have any barnies is there he should have just left it though i think not worth yeah. commenting on but there we go that's not the character that Tyro Mings is i suppose yeah i agree i think it, it would have been... No one would have, no one would have batted an eyelid if, if nothing had been said by that. I don't think it caused it. It was cause for for players to come out and say, "Well, you know, look at him now. You know, he's flying. He scored a last minute penalty in a in a in a decision Jack Grealish gave him the penalty. <laughs> it's not as it's not as if he scored a thirty yard bicycle kick to win a Midlands derby, is it? He, he got gifted <laughs> a penalty by Jack Grealish and he stuck it in the bottom corner yeah, as, but, as but, you'd expect. So just leave it. Mali, I would, I would a brick if I had to, if I had to take a last minute penalty in a Premier League game, especially in a semi derby. I wouldn't. Oh, I would oh yeah, in, it. in front of no fans. <laughs> yeah, Jesus, <laughs> well, 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 still, you know what I mean? Like, he's it's, it's, it's taking his, he's taking his chance. He's Get over it. It's got all good. Come on then, Steph. Final, final thing on today's podcast. You got the ball on the spot in a semi derby, as you call it. Twelve yards out, ninetieth minute. Which way are you going? I'm hitting the crossbar each and every time. I'm, what you're aiming for the crossbar? Oh, That's ridiculous. No, no, Aim no, for no. the goal, man. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going for the top right corner, and I connect so oh, beautifully. Risky. I hit the sweet spot, but it's just too sweet, and it just clatters off the crossbar. And there's a groan from the ten people in the stand. Ah, <sighs> why did you let him take it? Has to be bottom right. Has to be bottom right for me. That's what I'm going for. Marley's going for the Penenka. <laughs> no. I'm giving it to Jack Grealish and saying, you take it, you're the captain. <laughs> the responsibility passed around. Um, thanks very much, lads. Don't forget, we're here with our responsibility to give you the latest Premier League news and views and opinions, of course. And we'll be doing that right throughout the week, despite the fact there are loads of games on. We'll still be talking about them all. So make sure you do hit subscribe and that way you won't miss another episode of the podcast. Also, if you've got an Amazon Alexa or Google Home smart speaker device, you can find the latest Premier League match previews and match reports straight to your device. All you need to do is ask whatever it may be, whatever speaker you've got, open sports social, and you'll get the latest reports and previews for your favourite team straight to your smart speaker. Uh, My name's Niall. Thanks very much, Marley. Cheers, lads. Cheers, Stefan. Cheers, mate. I, w- I want to say something about Bosman one more time, just to show my respect. So, Bosman. <laughs> oh, God. We've all I might bleep off. it out. There we go. That's it. Football Social Daily. Speak to you again tomorrow. Football Social Daily from Sport Social. Find us on Facebook. Search Sport Social. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.